welcome to another episode of Cracking One Open with Mike and Elise. So today's episode uh, has been a long time coming. Yeah, uh, I said it on Two Player Bros when that got delayed by forever. And I'll say it here as a small indie film uh, went by the name, at least most of the guests knew it by the name Avengers, I believe it was called. Uh, I'm not sure Am if that's I saying a, that right. I, I think don't think so. Avengers. It's no, it's Avengers. It's enough of them said it. It's got to be true. So that kind of held me up. Crazy busy schedule. Not able to record. Not able to drink. Womp, womp. <laughs> Even though I wanted to. So Especially the beer that we have in store for you today. I know. We got a special beer in store for you guys today. It is um your favorite, I think, officially. I think it's my favorite of all time. Which is saying something, folks. So the beer we're going to start with is from Two Roads Brewery in Stratford, Connecticut. Basically, I would say this would be like our brewery if we had like a home base brewery. A home base. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree with that. Um, Two Roads and actual Evil Twin Brewing. It is a collaboration. It's a collaboration beer. This is their Geyser Goza, which is, I'm going to call it Goes from now on because I always call it Goes. I the correct pronunciation, just for the record, is Goza. Yes. But most most of the time you do hear people just say goes. Yeah. Like me. <laughs> so why don't we crack it open? Crack it open. Because I can't wait. I got my two roads Oktoberfest Stein glass right here. Of course. Uh, now I'm going to open my Kaiser. <sighs> oh, yeah. Listen to that bubble. Geyser oh. Goza is is indeed my favorite beer. Well, let's before I talk about it. Let's let's clink. Lame clink. Eh. <laughs> God, that's good. So good. So, Geyser Goes is a Goza, obviously, style ale. Brewed Icelandic moss, herbs, and kelp, and sea salt. It is a crazy combination of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, baby, why don't you tell us a little bit more about this beer? So, this uh, particular twist on a go- Goza is described as a sour wheat-style ale with a hint of smoke, a light lemon color, a dry finish, and a thirst-quenching appeal. Um, I found a little bit of background on it, and this is taken from a press release from Brewbound.com. So back in 2015, brewmaster Phil Markowski from Two Roads, and I apologize in advance, I'm going to absolutely butcher this name, uh, Jeppy Yarnet Bajers Go? I think you said that worse I'm, than when I'm you asked I'm so me sorry. Earlier. I'm so sorry. Uh, the, the brewmaster from Evil Twin, which is located in Denmark. So back in 2015, they knew they wanted to do a unique collaboration. So they traveled to Iceland, which is kind of the, the geographic midpoint between America and Denmark, which is kind of cool. That's cool. Meet them halfway uh, to seek out the ingredients they would use for this goes. A uh, style of beer that actually dates back to the 16th century back in Germany. Um, I And I don't believe that this was originally planned to be a mainstay in Two Roads Beer Rotation because it became incredibly hard to find after that initial release. Yes, it did. Um, but the insane popularity has since spawned several other beers in their tanker truck series, including Persian Lime, Passion Fruit, Clementine, uh, Plum, and Sauvignon Blanc. And it's called their tank and truck series because that's that's originally what it was. These huge tanks outside the brewery that were specifically dedicated uh, to making the sour beer. And the demand grew for it so much that Two Roads actually just a few months ago finished construction and opened what they call Area 2 Brewing, which is completely dedicated to creating sour, sour barrel aged and otherwise experimental beer. Um, and honestly, we couldn't be happier for them because we love them so much. Yep. <laughs> 
Would you like to talk about your first experience with Geyser? Well, before we do that, I, I'd like to give a little bit more background on, on ghosts. Oh, I've got plenty of, of background. I think we should go into why they're in the tanker trucks, why it's the tanker truck series and not just brewed in the brewery. Do you have that in there? Kind of. Oh, I have more of the history of ghosts. Okay. So when she talks about tanker trucks and why they're in tanker trucks and not in the vats is because apparently the bacteria that you use when you ferment the ghosts um, is a very powerful, strong, evil bacteria <laughs> to other uh, yeasts yeast strains and stuff i guess this the stuff that makes it uh sour beer the sour will kind of get into all of your lines in a brewery and it's apparently very hard to get out and clean the vats and can really easily destroy i guess all your other other batches that you might have if those vats are connected which is a big uh uh-oh so i that's why two roads or I assume that's why Two Roads has decided to use their tanker trucks or did before Area 2 opened to use those outside of their mainstay vats. They have these giant and they are tanker trucks that just sit outside the building, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And that's where they ferment in there. So they don't risk destroying any of their batches of regular ales or lagers or stouts or any of the other number of wonderful, amazing things that they make at Two Roads. So that's that's why when you hear tanker truck series, that's why like you might be thinking, why are they even using tanker trucks? That would be why. Mm hmm. So, yeah, I could talk about my first experience with Geyser. <laughs> so I believe we were at one of their their outdoor events. Two Roads has a number of events every year. It was the garden party. The garden party. This was our first garden party. They were debuting their uh, garden party, the Saison, Rhodes Garden. That's what it was called. Sure. <laughs> I remember being there. I remember a giant beach ball. I yep. remember it was kind of cloudy. I remember there were plant people. There were yes. people dressed like plants, artists, actually, <laughs> actresses, dancers, whoever they were, they were doing mime as plants and moving every once in a while. Very it was slowly. fantastic. So you take your picture with them. It was a really fun event. They have a huge outdoor beer garden. They have a little, they have a cool like 1960s truck, silver mm-hmm. bullet truck that they, they serve beer out of as well as a little farmhouse that they do as well on, on, uh, on their property. The, the brewery itself is a big old factory, but they had the geyser goes on tap. Mm-hmm. and. It had the worst description I've ever seen. As I said before, I mean, <laughs> as line, uh, not, moss does not sound appetizing, nor does sea salt and kelp. Birch smoked sea salt, to be exact. Mm, 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 mm. Uh, kelp is the real big uh, what? Mm-hmm. Uh, last time I checked, I was not a blue whale, but I went there. I went. I got the guys who goes. I was like, I'm going to try this. I started drinking it and immediately I believe my face went in on itself because yep. of how sour it is. It is the sourest ale, by the way, that I've ever had. And you asked me how I thought about it. <laughs> and I said, in no uncertain terms, I think this is the worst thing I've ever had. This is the worst beer I've ever had in my life. And she asked me if I wanted to throw it out and get and get something else. I said, no, no. I'll like, a, it. like a champ. No he beer had to finish behind. it. Can't just leave a beer hanging. So I kept sipping on it, much like I'm going to do right now. I drank it all the way down. I tried one of their other numerous beers that was released around the time of Garden Party. And at least that day, I was fine with that choice. Mm-hmm. The next day I woke up, went through my day. I kept thinking, I really, I really want to have another Geyser Goes. I want to try it again. Was it as bad as I thought? Was it as, what is it that bad? <laughs> the taste lingered in my brain. <sighs> Damn you, Phil. And guy <laughs> whose name I won't bother to butcher, but makes great beer. Yes. Evil (laughs) Twin also makes a lot of exceptional beer. I kept thinking about it. So we went back and we tried it again at the brewery not too long after. Yep. And she asked me again. Elise asked me again, what do you think of this? So what do you think of the beer? I think I really like this beer. (laughs) 
<laughs> and by the end of my glass, I had made up my mind. I think this is the best beer I've ever had. So I'm always reminded, again, I'm a big Trekkie. I think I brought up Star Trek more often than anything else here. Oh, I'm yeah. always reminded yep. of the scene in Star Trek Generations where Data finally gets his emotion chip and can taste things. And he chases a drink in 10 forward from Guinan, Whoopi Goldberg's character for the first time. And he hates it. And he's so excited about hating it. And she goes, another? Please. <laughs> That's how I was with Geyser Goes. And it has quickly become my favorite beer. When Before it was more widely uh, released, I, w- I would look everywhere. I would send oh, Elise we, everywhere for it. we were on the it. hunt for it. Anytime Geyser summer. Goes could be found, I would buy stock. Yep. I would fill up my uh, growler. I would do anything I could to get this beer. If you like beer that is salty, that is sour, that is different. And yet surprisingly refreshing. It's refreshing. It's cold. It's 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 light. It's not a high alcohol percentage. It's what? 5.5? 5.5. Uh, I, I, I knew that. Come on. It's my favorite beer. Uh, the can is kind of cool looking. So since I'm on can watch uh, <laughs> or bottle watch on this show. So the can is like a lime green and a silver. And it's both what I like about the lime green uh, part of it is it's the all the thumbs up that are uh, two roads kind of signature. Mm-hmm. All their hand symbols mm-hmm. on the two road side anyway. Yep. Evil Twin Brewing is like kind of a shattered glass look and it's both brewers faces side by side. So it's like they become one person because it is a collaboration and half of the, the two part of the two roads is on there and the evil part of uh, Evil Twin is there. So it's like a two evil beer. And it's not actually getting a slightly off topic. It's not the only time that they've collaborated. They've made another one since then, the Saigon Scooter. Saigon Scooter has come out, which is another evil twin, where they went to Vietnam, Mm -hmm. actually, to learn about, you know, what beer they might do next. And they got coffee beans from there. And it's that is a very good, very strong coffee beer. But yes, it is super strong. But they they do coffee very well. They do the Expressway Coffee Stout at Two Roads, which is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Um I really like coffee stout. That's really good, especially nitro. I liked that before I liked coffee, really. Which is crazy. <laughs> so that's really good. But yeah, staying on topic, Geyser goes super refreshing, super salty. Um, and you'd think the salt would take you out of it. I but think, it doesn't. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people drinking sours. Oh, it's so sour. You don't know sour until you know sour with salt added to it. Yeah. Uh, it really does. Oh, yeah. It, it, it gets you so good. And it is the... Probably most perfect beer to pair with pizza. Oh, yeah. The salty and the sweetness mm-hmm. of this and the sour really pairs. It does pair really well with pizza. But honestly, I could drink this with anything. Just about anything. Or just alone. Or alone. <laughs> like this is this is to me, this is one of the greatest things on Earth. I think I think if guys goes ever left this planet, I would have to leave with it. That's how I don't want to live on this planet yeah. anymore. <laughs> So give us give us more history on uh, goes, Professor. Let us know. <laughs> uh, so according to hopculture.com, as I mentioned before, uh, the ghost style beer dates all the way back to six, 16th century uh, Gosler, Germany, where the saline waters of the Goes River were used for, for brewing specifically. And it became so popular in the 16th and 17th centuries that it migrated um, about 180 kilometers west to the, si- the city of Leipzig. Uh, where it soon gained status as a regional specialty. And this made it exempt from, again, I'm going to butcher this word, uh, Reinheitsgebot, which is the, the German purity law, which said that beer could only be made with water, barley, yeast, and hops. So 
goes was so popular that they made an exception for that. Suck it, Germans. <laughs> so in addition to malted barley, Gozes are brewed with malted wheat and coriander, generally speaking. Um, and using spontaneous fermentation results in the tart and herbal characteristics. Um, spontaneous fermentation, meaning that the wort cools when it's exposed to open air, allowing yeast and bacteria in the air to inoculate it for fermentation. And after putting the brew into barrels, Goes Breweries would deliver them to taverns uh, to continue fermenting in cool, dark basements, which I guess is similar to using a tanker truck. <laughs> yep. And uh, by the way, by the 1800s, these Goes Taverns or Gozenschanken were everywhere. I'm going to open a Gozenschanken. <laughs> you would. <laughs> so for some reason, the Goes lost its popularity over time. And by the beginning of World War II, only one Goes brewery remained in Germany. And that ended up closing its doors by 1945. So the Goes barely survived. Um it was only kept alive by a handful of passionate brewers through the 1960s. So in the 1980s, this guy named Lothar Golden comes along and purchases one of the old ghost taverns, spending a few years after that gathering enough information and enough old recipes to bring it back and start brewing it with the help of a brewery in East Berlin. Um, and according to Google Trends, the search searches for Go's beer have more than tripled between the summer of 2014 and the summer of 2016. And it continues to spike in popularity during the summertime, which is appropriate, <laughs> it seems. It is a very summery beer. Yeah. So that's what I got. That's cool. That's essentially what I've got. Although you say 16th century. Mm -hmm. I have it as far back as the 13th century. Ooh. Mm -hmm. So Go's is fantastic. If you haven't had one, I don't know where you've been. I think every brewery now is really getting oh, on that goes train. For sure. I mean, the sours in general, I think, yeah. And I think not all sours mm -hmm. have to be gozas. But I think a goes, every brewery at least does one goza, it seems now, if they can. Mm -hmm. I imagine smaller ones might be afraid because of the infection rate. Yeah. From what I read um, that happens. But gozas really took off. They're all pretty much fantastic. And this is just the king of them all. Although I believe you had... Another one? You you credit you credit one goes. There's one I believe. Uh, I gotta look it up. It's from Anderson. I want to say it's out in Colorado. Is kind of I mean very loosely credited with bringing the trend back uh, for 2014 is when the the searches started Coming spiking. Back. Yeah. Okay. When did guys or goes come out? 2016. I want to say. I had that. I've only been looking for this been in love with this beer for only that long i feel like it's yeah so forever. 2015 is when they uh planned the collaboration and then 2016 is when we had it for the first time hmm. okay interesting does that track with your research sure <laughs> I, I can't i don't have a date on any of the things i have so okay it could it could very well be only you know three years old i just feel like it's been with me forever i can't imagine not having geyser that's like fair. that's that's how good it is. It's I'm not old, but I'm not the youngest anymore either. So I've been drinking beer for a long time and I like it's hard for me to remember a time when didn't always just have like sours and gozes. Like, yeah, that's how good and a big part of my beer drinking experience there. Like mm -hmm. IPAs have been around since probably we were in college and then that's when oh, they started yeah. taking off. So we're 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 pretty deep in the IPA age. But, you know, gozes like, oh, wow, it's only been like three years I've been drinking these. And the sours, and it's it's a little surprising. Yeah, the trend will hopefully continue for a long time to come. There's seemingly endless combinations of flavors that can be used. So, if you've got a citrusy fruit, 
You've got a sour on your hands. It's true. <laughs> I'm surprised there's no apple sours yet. Uh, I don't know if I'd like it. Yeah. But I'm surprised because... I feel like it would be too similar to a cider. I do not like ciders. Yeah. But I would be interested to try one. Some of their other great flavors, which we might do on the show. The Clementine Goes is really oh, good. So good. The Sauvignon Blanc is very interesting. The Sav Blanc is actually pretty similar to a geyser. Very similar, but it's 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 just been aged in Sauvignon Blanc barrels. That's that's what lends the flavor. It's no geyser. So yeah, I guess I'll just keep drinking my geyser goes. I, <laughs> I could honestly just spend this whole entire show just telling you guys, drink geyser goes. It's so good. Keep it alive. Keep it going. For, there was like a, a one or two month period where we couldn't find it anymore. Oh, it disappeared. And it was one of the darkest times in my life. Was, <laughs> I was so sad. And then I came back and then it was on their year round menu. I got one of like these pamphlets. I can't remember if I got it at work because obviously uh, the, the theater I work has a bar. So we got a two roads pamphlet of like what are, what their year rounds were and what their temporary ones were. And the geyser goes was on their year rounds. And I got really excited. But then every once in a while, I get a little nervous that it's not going to be around much longer. So hopefully, well, I can't think of anything that Two Roads has really retired that's been around as long as Geyser has been now. I, I, I just, it's just because it's a collaboration. I'm always nervous that maybe one day Two oh. Roads and Evil Twin will break up. No, and Geyser will be be what gets lost in the breakup. Anyway, on with the show. You got any pop culture news for us? Oh, I got some pop culture news for you. I guess the biggest thing is something uh, I read today, which is that uh, Disney has now reached a deal with Comcast. AKA the people that own uh, NBC Universal that will give Disney who totally um let's face it they need it uh gives them majority control of Hulu uh, for 5.8 billion dollars. Yeah, they're really starving for money. Disney, the company that owns nothing that you love, now owns Hulu <laughs> and uh NBC Universal will keep licensing content to them through 2024 and they'll keep their uh 33% stake in the company or in the in you know the streaming provider and then i guess nbc universal has the right to cancel it and get rid of the shows or kind of make it non-exclusive to hulu so basically over the next few years you might see a lot of nbc universal stuff dropping off of the program possibly it's not for sure it depends on i guess the relationship with disney but yeah i mean hulu originally was pretty much disney fox and nbc universal all three of them kind of working together. And now because Fox has kind of sided with NBC or with Disney and they're kind of game and thronings, thronesing each other. I guess only one of those three can sit on the Hulu throne and rule this streaming empire. I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, I, I like Disney in terms of their content they put out, you know, as big as they are, they do still seem to care about the quality of their content, which is nice. A lot of bigger companies that at this point would own so much stuff, you know, like you look at like some some video game companies, which I won't name, but they start with an E and they end with an A. <laughs> uh, just put out tons and tons of crap and they don't seem to care about the content so, so much because they just own every video game studio that's possible. And then you just put out junk and hope to make some Aren't money. Aren't they a little and- destructive in that way too? They just like buy up these companies, churn out whatever they can and... Close shutter to the doors if they yeah. don't succeed. Absolutely. Uh, they're they're well known terrifying at all they're well known for being one of the worst reviewed companies in general just in terms of customer satisfaction and stuff but disney on the other hand you know is basically that way for everything that's not video games so far and you know you look at the marvel movies and i'm not saying the marvel movies are the greatest things on the planet because 
you look at it objectively. I mean, I know you. Everybody loves their superheroes, and I I like a lot, most of the Marvel movies too. I'm not a fanboy. You know, there's there's still quality product. They don't, you know, they don't just put out junk for mm-hmm. junk's sake. They don't go here's a superhero, let's do it. You know, people were clamoring. Well, at this for point, him. they really can't. Yeah. Well, people were clamoring for like, well, why hasn't Black Panther come out for years and years? And they're like, we want to get it right. And they came out and Black Panther is it's one of their best, if not the best Marvel movie they have. So it's like they do put out content that's good. They do seem to care. I don't know about that with the Star Wars movies. Maybe they try to do too much too, too, too soon. But the fact that they're just buying everything is a little scary. Yeah. That being said, uh, Disney, if you're listening to this and you're looking for a podcast to take over, you know, if you want to start buying podcasts, you know, come talk to me. <laughs> Uh, maybe we can work out a deal. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it seems Hulu will soon become Disney Plus, the adult version, I would assume. Yeah, The basically. stuff that they can't put on Disney Plus, they'll put on Hulu. And let's be honest, as much as you might hate the fact that all their content's moving to Disney Plus, you're going to get a Disney Plus subscription. Of course we are. Yeah. Oh, I know. We are. I'm and saying. And so are you, listeners. All of you so are. So are you. <laughs> you all. The ustedes form of the verb, I believe. I might be wrong on that. So yeah, that was that's my first bit of news. Um, do you have a bit of news to go on before I do my next bit of news? Or are you all reviews today? No, I got some news. All right, go go go. Why don't you do the next bit? All right. So, Pop Geeks just revealed the announcement that TV movies uh, Rocco's Modern Life, Static Cling, and Invader Zim: Enter the Florpus, uh, which were both previously produced for Nickelodeon, have both been sold to Netflix. And this is actually this is exciting um, because Static Cling has actually been complete for over a year and just sitting on a shelf gathering dust, which is sad. And Invader Zim creator Jonan Vasquez uh, recently tweeted confirmation that Enter the Florpus was completed just two months ago. So now maybe we'll finally have a chance to watch them. And if you remember uh, when news of these TV movies initially broke, the first one to come out was Hey Arnold. Mm hmm. Um, but the ratings were pretty low. So that's when Nick decided to kind of hold off on Static Cling. OK, because I remember you showed me a trailer for it. And it a looked long really time good. ago. It was yeah. like classic Rocco. Yep. So that's sad. I mean, it's going to Netflix. But yeah, now we have something to look forward to. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Yay. Laundry day is a very dangerous day. Spunky. <laughs> Spunky. I wonder how many of the big heads they're going to be. I never really liked the big heads. They kind of scared me. <laughs> <laughs> so. In more Disney news, <laughs> I feel like our pop culture news is going to be half Disney news at this point, just because they own so much of the pop culture zeitgeist that I care about. I got something un well, no, okay, never mind. My my next bit of news is still tinged with the hint Hulu of mouse. related. Yeah, <laughs> I don't really want to get into the whole schedule of Star Wars movies, but anybody who's read the news probably knows that Disney's kind of come up with a plan between their Fox schedule releases and their um, Star Wars schedule releases because. Not only is Star Wars a huge franchise, but so is Avatar. Mm-hmm. And now that they own Fox, they not only own Star Wars and Marvel movies, but they also own the other biggest franchise, uh, box office, uh, Avatar. And those movies, there are supposed to be, I believe, five of them, or so I guess four more, are going to be released in tandem with the Star Wars movies. So you'll see a Star Wars movie, you'll see a Avatar movie, a Star Wars Avatar, a Star Wars Avatar, and so on and so forth until you probably die. And they all gonna, they're all going to release in, the, in December. So everyone has kind of been wondering what the next Star Wars was going to be after uh, Rise of Skywalker. Okay. So that's going to come out in 2022. I believe we'll get an Avatar first in 2021. It was delayed one year. So in 2022, our first one they just announced is going to be the uh, Star Wars movie that's being written by Game of Thrones creators, David Benioff. Benioff? Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry if I mispronounced your last name. And D.B. Weiss. 
So that's kind of cool. A, who doesn't love Game of Thrones? I mean, that being said, if you're listening to this now um, in mid-May, there are some of you who don't like Game of Thrones anymore uh, <laughs> because of the giant twist on the last episode, which I'm not going to get into because Elise still has four seasons to catch up on. She's a recent convert. <laughs> but, you know, regardless of the ill will they're getting now, they put out seven seasons of incredible show. The eighth season, I still think, is very good. I'm really excited for the game of uh, their Star Wars project. And it's also rumored to be uh, Knights of the Old Republic based, which is one of my favorite video games yep. of all time. And a very interesting time in Star Wars, because in this time there are thousands of Jedis and there are still thousands of Sith. It's not just two Sith. It's a ton of bad guys, it's a ton of good versus evil. It really is. And perfect for them, a kind of medieval epic in space where you do have a giant army of knights fighting another giant army of knights and about honor and and all this kind of stuff. And when space was a little bit more gritty, more in turmoil, not that Star Wars is ever not in turmoil. And I'm just really excited for the possibilities that the Knights of the Republic universe can bring them, you know, not being hindered by having to live by the Skywalker code or cameos or are they going to show this person or that person? They can just be like they can just tell their own story, which I think Brian Johnson, when he did the last Jedi, which I'm not a huge fan of at all. You know, I think that'll serve him better to not be hindered by, you know, still play in the universe, but not be hindered by having to show specific characters or things to tell their stories. And I'm very excited to see what the Game of Thrones people can bring to Star Wars, because I think, you know, in a not Skywalker saga, maybe the uh, maybe the movies could use a little Game of Thrones plotting and darkness and intrigue. So I'm very excited to see what will happen with that. And they do a very good job at doing a lot with a little. In terms of their show, I mean, the show now has it seems like a huge budget. The last two seasons have looked like movies. But even back when they were in the TV days, I mean, back in the early days of Game of Thrones, they made an incredible looking show oh, for yeah. not a ton of money. So now with all the money that Disney and Star Wars has behind it, you know, what kind of awesome epic can they create? So that first non Skywalker Star Wars movie is going to come out in 2022 and hopefully will be great. So what still mouse related news story do you also have? <laughs> So I'm going to circle back around to a, a news item that I already touched on. I think it was last episode. Unfortunately, I may have gotten my hopes up a little too quickly about the Lost Boys reboot. Uh, it was just announced that the series will now be retooled and repiloted off season. Ooh, never a good sign. So it seems like the timing just isn't great right now. Rob Thomas was originally tapped for it, but he's currently busy with the Veronica Mars reboot on Hulu which I'm perfectly fine with, by the way, because Veronica Mars is one of my absolute favorite shows Indeed. and Kristen Bell is one of my absolute favorite favorite actresses. But basically it was reported that while the CW did like the script for it, not all of the elements came together in the execution of it. Thus the order for a reworked new pilot, which could mean recastings, according to Deadline.com. So womp womp. That's a stake through the heart. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I should have seen out. that coming. <laughs> I'm also su I'm surprised that you haven't touched on Batwoman, which it was announced uh, likely to be coming to the CW this fall. It is not only uh, I believe they announced it. Well, it was def it's definitely coming to series, but I think that was a foregone conclusion. That's why I'm not announcing in here. That's why I'm not talking about it. Oh, okay. Like it's it's just happening. Uh, anybody watch the crossover? She was she's pretty good. I like Ruby Rose. Mm -hmm. I don't know if she does a great American accent. <laughs> I'm okay with her having spent some time in Australia before coming back to take over for Bruce Wayne. But yeah, she's definitely tough. She's very attractive. 
but also you would never tell her that to her face because she would kill you. Yep. Then, yeah, I think she'd be a good, like, role model to, you know, I mean, she's more badass than Supergirl. Not that Supergirl's not a good role model. She's probably a better role model for girls <laughs> than someone who goes and beats criminals up at night. But I think it's cool that there's more, you know, warrior women on TV, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. It's never a bad thing. Another spinoff to join the Arrowverse. Now the Arrow's ending. R.I.P. Steve Amell's one of my favorite, you know, actors, people. And people. Yeah. yeah. He's just like, it's like, if I ever became a successful actor, I'd want to be like him in terms of his personal life. So, you know, it's sad that that show's ending, but it did last eight years. You know, go out the way you want to go out. Don't just go out and fade away. Yeah. So that's a good thing. But I'll definitely be watching that when it shows next, uh, next season. Yep. I was also going to announce in my news thing, I was kind of disappointed, which luckily we did get delayed because I was going to announce that Ash was going to have a new TV show because yeah. he shocked the world with his announcement on Instagram with a picture of Ash and uh, he faked the you caption out. September ellipses. And what it ended up being is a not even a new autobiography. Really? His memoirs. It's uh, Confessions of a B-Movie Actor with stories from the Ash vs. Evil Dead show uh, amended onto it. Oh, it was not even a new memoir to pick up. It's an amended one, which I mean, sure, go buy it. Bruce Campbell's awesome. He's hilarious. He's a down to earth guy. Go pick it up. But also, oof, that's a that's a if you yeah, if, it's, a it's cool if you if you didn't already own it. That's cool, but a little disappointing. Um, maybe don't make it such a huge announcement. Yeah, <laughs> I think maybe that's why he then announced it right away. Because okay. maybe he was he was like, oh, I don't want to get people's hopes up. He also kind of uh, kicked me in the nuts again and. I was hoping he'd be a guest character in Mortal Kombat 11 because he was rumored to be. And there were all these unlocked like, oh, we unlocked the code Ash uh, in the Necronomicon. So he's definitely going to be a character in there. He put a picture up on Twitter of himself digitally murdering one of the Mortal Kombat really? guys with a fatality picture. Oh, that's great. And said, this is me uh, quelching the rumor that I'm going to be in Mortal Kombat. Oh. So um, it looks like it's up to me. Studios, if you're looking to reboot Evil Dead and create a new Ash... I will flip myself upside down. I will poke my own eyes with my hands. Let's let's reboot Evil Dead together. I'm a huge Evil Dead fan. And uh, any news about the return of Ash Williams or the Necronomicon, I will announce here. Yep. <laughs> oh, for sure. So do you have any other news? I do not. All right. I have one more news thing that came out today. Bring it. It was announced on this day, May 14th, 2019, when we're recording this now, that the Mortal Kombat movie produced by James Wan is set to start shooting later this year. Round one, fight. Uh, it will be directed by first-time filmmaker Simon McQuoid in uh, Adelaide, Australia. Obviously, Warner Brothers, who owns NetherRealm Studios, who makes the games, is going to be the studio putting it out. Mm-hmm. So a non-mouse bit of news. <laughs> One of the few that has not go. been bought out yet. So I'm excited for that. Mortal Kombat has a great story. I was just talking to you a little bit about how I would really love to see a Game of Thrones style Mortal Kombat. Mm-hmm. I think it would really work. All the little intrigue pieces, all the people looking and buying for power, betrayals, all that kind of stuff. It, it's cheesy in the game, but it's very easy to make something like that. that's maybe more Kung Fu based, maybe more than medieval, medieval based, but still make it kind of cool and make it a little bit more serious. I think it would be a really cool show to do. So I hope the movie's good. I know they put out two live action. I don't think you ever saw them. Two live action web series uh, that were actually had a couple of meh moments, but for the most part, were actually really good. So maybe they'll take some hints from that. Like one of the things I didn't really like, but I thought was kind of cool was like Reptile was a guy with a a skin disorder who fought in an arena. And um, 
It's an interesting take. Yeah. You still got like Johnny Cage and all, all that kind of stuff. And I guess hopefully it's good. Hopefully it's a good take on Mortal Kombat. Tells the same. St- I mean, Mortal Kombat actually for a fighting game doesn't have a bad story. So hopefully it'll be cool if you're a video game fan. I'm sure it will be mindless karate <laughs> fighting. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So my brother Alex and I, who do the podcast Two Player Bros, mm-hmm. shameless plug, are huge <laughs> fans, I think, of the original Mortal Kombat movie uh, when we were growing up. Came out in 1995. Um, most of that was because of, you know, some of the overacting actually made it better. <laughs> so A, the Adam Electronic uh, Goro was really cool. The guy with the forearms. And also just, you know, the guy who played Shang Tsung, Kerry Tagawa, he's who's in Mortal Kombat 11, which has a lot of the movie callbacks. Just really chews up the scenery and just just really super evil and super smug and just fantastic. Everything you want like a 90s cheesy action movie villain to be. And Christopher Lambert as Lord Raiden is really good because he plays him like his Highlander character. Yeah, a lot of the casting for that game was just uh, Robin Shuo as as Liu Kang, Lyndon Ashby as Johnny Cage. It just it didn't take itself seriously, which is fine for this movie. Just so hammy and fun. And so hopefully this new one will work that way as well. Yeah. Um, so that's what I've got in terms of news. You can hear about my review of Mortal Kombat on Two Player Bros. The latest episode just released the last uh, last week. There we go. Episode five. All right. So that's my news, baby. What have you been watching? Because I've been stuck selling tickets to Avengers. Well, I ended up I I remember watching the like the trailer for this and then I ended up binging it in a um, matter of a few days i honestly if i if i had the time i would have just sat straight through and watched it dead to me on netflix the so the entire first season now is streaming um as of may 3rd um and it comes from writer liz feldman who also wrote two broke girls which i never really watched but i know it was hugely popular when it was on it was um, on cbs it was on tv and <laughs> the old, old person channel uh will farrell and adam mckay are executive producers so i think that speaks to the writing as well um it's a very dark comedy starring christina applegate and Linda cardellini who spark kind of an unlikely friendship and this casting job is perfect they work so well together they have s- such good chemistry that i actually had to look up whether they've worked together in the past <laughs> like if they were like friends outside of work or anything like that they have a a very believable poignant and uh, complex friendship <laughs> we'll put it that way so in the in the pilot episode you start out by learning a little bit more about jen uh which is who's the uh christina applegate's character okay Um, And how her husband died in a freak accident and she's trying to now balance her demanding real estate job, um, trying to bring any sense of normalcy back into her kids' lives while also dealing with the grief by herself. And we see this come out in some interesting ways. Mm. Um, She she literally writes down license plates of random cars with front end damage. So she's basically conducting her own investigation into her husband's death because she doesn't think that the police station is doing enough. And then we meet Linda Cardellini's character, Judy at a grief support group who, that she is very reluctantly attending. Um, Judy is painted to be a little bit more laid back. She's artsy. She burns sage. She smokes weed. She, she recommends that Jen meditates. And we learn that Jen's version of meditation is driving around blasting like screaming hard metal rock (laughs) 
Um, and then things kind of take a turn. So if you have not watched the show yet, either skip ahead now or watch it and come back. We'll wait. So Jen decides to surprise Judy by showing up at her house for once. They've been hanging out a lot, but never at Judy's place. And we find out immediately that Judy's husband is, in fact, very much alive. And that's when the show had me. I was like, wait, what's going on? (laughs) So up until this point, Judy never really said that her fiance had died. She said that she lost him. Um, And then all the details or convenient lack of details um, that were shown about her relationship kind of start to click and come together. And it comes to light that Judy joins this group uh, because she feels a sense of loss in her life, not just because her fiance broke up with her, but because she's experienced five miscarriages Um, that, by the way, totally justifies her belonging to that group, but also leaves Jen feeling pretty betrayed, which is also completely understandable. So fast forward, they make up. Seems like it's all good. And then Jen asks Judy to come stay with her um, in, in a guest house, uh, which was her her husband's old studio. So Judy gathers her belongings from a storage unit um, out of the trunk of a car, which has damage to the front bumper. And then you're just like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, this is going to complicate things. Mm. Literally every episode ends like that. You're like, what? Like, all right, well, I can't stop now. So go ahead, Netflix. Don't ask me whether I'm still watching or not, because you know I am. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's just it's so well written. The pacing and the development, it, it makes you just want to keep going back. Like I said, I wanted to binge it in one sitting if I had the time. And as of right now, there has not been any word of season two, sadly, but I, I needed it like yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so. That being said, I guess let's talk about cons, to be fair. Sure. Um, so one scene in the pilot that I have to nitpick, and I felt like you when I noticed this, Jen and Judy have been on the phone for like at least two hours. You see you see the progression of time on the clock because they, neither of them can sleep well. And when Jen asks Judy to stay on the phone while she falls asleep, aw, they show this on the screen the the phone number that Judy had written down to give to Jen. and. The phone number was right, but apparently they had only been on the phone for one minute, <laughs> uh. which is a detail you think that they could maybe pay attention to. Yeah. Another detail that bugged me, but it it might not be a factor for other viewers. Um, so just to put this nitpick in context, we have a, a 70 inch television. Um, so the details on it are just phenomenal. Uh, however, high def can have its downsides, such as the fact that there are a number of scenes where Christina Applegate and Linda Carnellini both have obviously been airbrushed, which A, is complete Hollywood bullshit. Both of these women are gorgeous and just let them be their age. And also Steve Marston has his fair share of wrinkles, but, you know, that that gives men distinction. <laughs> but if you're going to do it, at least do it well, you know. So. um considering that those are my two complaints and they have no bearing on the story whatsoever. Uh, that speaks for itself and you need to go watch this show. It is so good. A glowing review. <laughs> That's very cool. Now, when you said Steve Marsden, did you mean James Marsden? Yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> Just making sure. Well, that's pretty neat there. Yeah. 
I kind of want to go back and watch it to uh, see what kind of details I missed because they they plant so many seeds. It's kind of like how when I watch Game of Thrones with you now, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, foreshadowing. Oh, <laughs> but you don't even know. Yep. But oh, you won't agree with that for long. It's always cool to go back and watch a show that leaves a lot of hints like that or, or does have some foreshadowing kind of mm-hmm. elements and twists. And Which Veronica Mars does as well. You know what else does? Yeah. The Sixth Sense. Yes. I mean, anything that's well written ahead of time, something that you can tell that the writers have been planning this this complex story, this world. Weaving some webs. Yeah. <laughs> Very much appreciated. Yep. So I'd like to have a review for you as well, but sadly. Your time has been consumed otherwise. My time has been completely consumed. But hopefully after this week, we will get slightly more back on track, at least until the next summer blockbuster. There will be no blockbuster as big as that. I will always stay on track. <laughs> Henceforth. Thus. Um, I do already have something in mind. I will watch it and I will give you guys a review when that's done. I do, I do think I know what I'm going to watch for next week. Nice. I do too, actually. all right then i guess we're gonna wrap it up for this week thank you again for listening i'm mike butler and i'm elise this has been cracking one open with mike and elise (gasps) we said each other's names switcheroo uh just make sure that you like rate review subscribe share this podcast with your friends Mm -hmm. and uh you can find us on apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher google play wherever you find your podcasts we'll see you next time